Welcome everybody to Too Legit to Crit, a tabletop role-playing podcast hosted by two guys who would make mind flayers go hungry. <laughs> it's funny because it's true. <laughs> I've struggled with that this week. I, I honestly couldn't think of anything. <laughs> like, oh, what the fuck? What's the opener going to be? And I started going through different things. It's like, nope, I've I've got nothing. And then I, I just happened upon that one. But yeah, it, worked. it was good. I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel, though. I'm I'm well, getting to the point where it's you're like, going to have to have another brainstorming session on the uh, on the intros. Yeah, I'm just going to have to come up with another ten or twenty. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I've still got one, which is for breaking case of emergency, but <laughs> I'm, I'm holding on to that one. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't want to have to use it. <laughs> but anyway, my name is John Santana. I am still Justin. How are you still, Justin? I'm still good, as it goes. <laughs> Um, no, I had, had a bit of a, an eventful week. Um, spent a lot of Thursday, I want to say, up at the hospital. Oh dear, um, everything's all right. Yeah, it was just the the small was not well, but she's all good now. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was a little, little bit scary for a bit, obviously. Um, I am the worst person in that situation. Yeah, where I'm not, I'm uncharacteristically calm in a lot of like serious things where normal people would have like a very valid reason to freak out mm. i stay incredibly calm yeah when it comes to my kids yeah i lose the fucking plot <laughs> um no it was uh it wasn't anything too serious it was basically she she had a bit of a chest infection last week um and then you know how kids get when they aren't feeling well, then they don't eat and drink as much. Yeah. Um, but then it got to a point where she just like wasn't eating and drinking. Um, so we got a bit bit worried about it. We took her to the doctors, but we managed to get a bit of food and drink on her. Um, and then the next day she started like throwing up anything she was taking in. And that's when we took her to the hospital. Um, she had a bit of a low blood sugar and stuff, but she's well, all good now. I'm they they, they sorted her out. Right. Um, mm. You know, hopefully you... Made up for the fact that you took her to the hospital with plenty of sweets, ice creams, and all other delights. Well, she um, she wasn't with me that week. Uh, she's with me this week. So she was with uh, with my ex um, last week. So I'm, I'm sure she did get spoiled, but um, she spent the entire day on my chest. So I spent an, I spent like a 12-hour period with her. 13 kilogram child on my chest. It was very painful towards the end of it. <laughs> it's a lot of weight to just sit on you for a long period of time. Fair enough. Um, but other than that, I've been pretty good. Um, <laughs> I've got my first session of my campaign, actual session, not like session zero. Our first actual play session is going to be uh, this evening. So, Whilst our lovely listeners are listening to this when it goes live, I will be playing a session of D&D, hopefully. Good. I hope it goes well. Is it what you sent me? Uh, yes. It's the start of. Good. But it's, it, it's, been, it's been changed since I sent it to you. But yeah, that, that core Good. It was, you know, is, I, uh, I, yeah. I enjoyed it. I saw it as like mm. a, a good intro into a campaign. Yeah. And I hope your players do too. Yeah, it should be good. I'm looking forward to it. 
Fantastic. Uh, what about yourself? What have you been up to? Right. Um, <laughs> remember a conversation we had last week? Uh, we had a lot of conversations um, last week. It was about, you know, uh, buying systems and not spending any more money. Did you, did, you, did you break your vow already? No, I didn't. Good man. But. Oh, God. I got some money from my folks for my birthday. <laughs> and technically, because it wasn't me spending the money. Oh, I see. So you found yourself a loophole is what you've done. Yes. Yes, right. I did. And <sighs> it was a glorious loophole. <laughs> which just happened to be my stripper name. But anyway. <laughs> Um, so I bought the um, Avatar Legends starter set. Nice. My kid has just started getting into Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. I yep. knew there was a an RPG show. for it, and I've I've already gone over like the free rules, and it was like, yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. So I've spoke to him and just kind of gone, would you know, would you be interested if mm. when you like come round or if I come round we we play this and you can pretend to be um a waterbender. He likes waterbenders for some reason. Um I mean they they are made out to be pretty cool in the show, let's yeah, be honest. True. Um how I, how far in is he? Because that could also determine it. Season two. Oh yeah, so he's only really seen waterbending. Yeah, I mean he's he's starting to see earth bending as well. Yeah. Um, Toph's been introduced, which is the oh, best character in the entire yeah. show. Like, Toph's the best character in the whole world. Except for <laughs> Uncle Iroh. Well, yeah, obviously. that's yeah. He stands in a league of his own. Yeah, Uncle Iroh. We, we just... He doesn't come into conversation because he is yeah. the OG. No, no. Uh, yeah, agreed. I mean. so, <laughs> so I um, went onto the site that I use, which is leisuregames.com. Mm-hmm. And not sponsored, just like to add. Not sponsored, but these guys are fucking phenomenal. Everything I've bought has come with a free PDF. That's always good. So this this time you buy the starter set and it comes with a free code to unlock the starter set on Demiplane. Okay. So you get a digital copy as well. And mm. it also comes with um code for fifty percent off the core rulebook. On Debbie okay. Plane. That's pretty good. So when I when I receive the product, which should be arriving tomorrow, mm. um for an extra tenner, I get the actual core rule book on Demi Plane as well. That's awesome. That yeah, that you can't really fault that. That's that's pretty good. No, it is really good. That is pretty um, good going. The other thing I bought, and it's been a long time coming that I've mm. mentioned it a few times, I've wanted to play it. And it's annoying because it kind of makes Dishonored that I bought a week ago a <laughs> bit of a moot point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I went ahead and bought Blades in the Dark. Fair. What a fucking system. <laughs> we, um, my regular game was we was cancelled yesterday. Mm. Just you know, unavailability. So yeah. one of the players and I, we went. You know, why don't we just kind of jump on? Tinker around with it a tiny bit, build a couple of characters, and just kind of see what it's like. It's phenomenal. It's one of these systems that, on the surface, seems really sort of 
um, straightforward and, Mm. you know, narrative, which it is. But at the same time, it's got this level of depth into um, character progression and the crew progression. And we found as we were building characters, we were getting more and more invested. (laughs) And at the end of it, I went, all right, well, we've got the characters, we've got our crew. Do you want me to, like, run a quick thing sort of thing? So he went, yeah, yeah, cool. And all I did was have a hook. Mm. The hook was there's a faction war going on. Um, The leader of one of these factions basically asked you for a favor. And our, our crew is a crew of smugglers. So it was a bit of a smuggling-based um, score. And that's all. From then, it was all... Everything that kind of happened came about through the conversation that we had and the dice rolls. Okay, interesting. Which invariably went massively tits up. Obviously. You know, we were... You know, our reputation as a crew is savvy so it means you know we, we know what we're doing and you know we plan for this and plan for that that, that is not a description i would assign to you somebody no. who knows what they're doing it went so fucking wrong somebody died that sounds about right not a character that, that sounds more like you just an npc died we were trying to do a getaway on a like on a cart that we have And they stood in the way and, yeah, one of them got run over and died, which obviously affects your your heat at the end of the score. Mm. You would absolutely fucking love this system. Yeah, that's the one you you sent me a message about, didn't you? Yeah, I sent you a message. We started to build characters and I just went, you know, I'd love this. (laughs) So I sent you the message. Yeah, I was a bit busy playing D4 at the time. what, What a mistake that was. Apparently, because I didn't get much done in Diablo 4. I didn't get any drops or anything. No, this, honestly, it is... And both of us kind of finished the session and went, yeah, we we want more of this. Mm. You know, so... What I am proposing is we start every couple of Fridays. Yeah. Online, obviously, because it's just easier for everyone yeah, course, to get yeah, involved. Yeah. Um, but we start doing uh, initially Blades in the Dark, mm-hmm. but I will be tackling some of the other list items as well. Yeah, no, I think that's a good shout. So, if you are interested, uh, dear listeners, it is an open invitation. Mm. So let us get, know over on the Facebook group. Yeah, get in touch over on the Facebook page. Um, obviously, limited capabilities. We, d- yeah. we can't. Can't have all of you. House. But I think five people. Yeah. Maybe stretch it to six. Yeah, yeah. Is is reasonable. I would say so, yeah. Yeah. I I, I would like to play Avatar as well, because that's one that's been on my personal list since I heard about it. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm looking mm. into that. I want to learn how to play that for for my kid, obviously. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah, that's definitely on the list as well. Um. I don't have the the digital copy of that yet, and I need to mm. wait until I actually receive the physical beginner's yeah, course, box, yeah, which yeah. is lovely, by the way. Oh, it's got its own dice. It's got yeah, it's got Ooh. all cool stuff. Interesting. Interesting. So yeah, that is that has basically been my week spending money that isn't mine and thus loophole 
Well, it, it yeah, it coming mean, it kind of renders our poll, which you won anyway, moot. Um, because apparently seventy five percent of the people that voted think that it should count, uh, and the only people who didn't think it should count is me and uh, Rachel. Uh, <laughs> everyone else voted in favour of it counting. I don't like to call people out publicly, but <laughs> Rachel, <laughs> you and I are going to have a discussion <laughs> about loyalty. Uh, <laughs> um, so I yeah, did, that, I did, that, that happened. I did find that funny, though. I, 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 I mean, being on the receiving end of the losing side, I didn't. Um. <laughs> That's why I sent you that message partway through the week. No, I know. Like, yeah. How's that? How, how, how's going? it going? Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I thought it was fucking hilarious. So I'm um, gonna run a poll and blah blah, blah and then all of a sudden everybody decides. Every, to everyone sign votes in your yeah on, on your side. To all that, to everyone who voted on my side, thank you. I appreciate you. <laughs> oh, it's upsetting. Very upsetting. Oh, but yeah. So yeah, that's been that is has been my week just looking through this book mm. and it is it's fantastic like everything you need is in this book um you've got like a gazetteer of the city you're working in you've got all the factions yeah you honestly you definitely need to play this yeah no i mean it definitely sounds like something that i would uh enjoy from what you've said yeah definitely um so Speaking of enjoyment, things that you would enjoy, mm. Um, mm. it seems that D&D Beyond are offering a free Baldur's Gate gazette. They are. I have it. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> um, so I've only briefly skimmed it all, but it basically gives you the entire setting for Baldur's Gate for free. Um, so it gives you the history of Baldur's Gate, so how it was founded, um, order, so when they, like, how they started to develop the laws and all that sort of things and taxes, um, all about some of the evil plots that have happened over the years. Um, so you've got some history in there as well. Uh, some of the, like, neighbors, rivals, and allies. So other towns and cities nearby that you could, uh, mention or, or reference. Um, it's got like how their government works. So the council of four, the military um, guard reactions to things. So there's like um, tables for like interactions at the gate or the flaming fist or the watch, things like that. Um, so like if the, if the players are doing something um, like if they're trying to come through the gate with a caravan, right? You roll a D eight and depending on the result, it gives you what the guards do to that caravan. So like, if you roll an eight, for example, the golds, uh, the, the guards wave the travelers through without a second look. So they just wave you through. Um, then you've got like on a seven, the guards skip the search if a traveler pays one GP for express gate service. So they basically take a bribe. Um, it, it's just like, and there's like, but if you roll like a one on the D8, the guards thoroughly search packs and vehicles, questioning everything and everyone. <laughs> So you've got the whole the whole like scope in between as well. And it's just like it's it's got really cool things like that going through it. Um information about the citizenry, so like some of the commoners and crews that exist in the town, um, economy and trade, so like the illegal guilds that run, the professional guilds that actually do exist, um, some of the religions that exist in the town or in the city, sorry. 
um, and like, you know, some information about them and uh, some of the high ranking people in the temple there. Um, and then you've also got like some stuff for uh, character backgrounds. So they've added a few character background stuff, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, they've also got like a, a table for encounters on the road near Baldur's Gate. So like as your travelers are coming in, you can roll a D20 and then it gives you different tables to roll on depending on what you roll on the D20. Um, and also some dark secrets. Now this I really like. This table in, like, in particular I really like. So it's basically during character creation, it's essentially something that ties all of the characters in the party together because they're all involved in this dark secret. Um, so obviously there's a few ways you could do it. You could choose uh, one that fits whatever your campaign is going to be, right? Or alternatively, you can let the players choose. Or, my personal favorite, roll a D8 and let that choose. <laughs> um, but then it's got like different roles depending on which of the dark secrets they have. Um, so, for example, one of the dark secrets is um, is a murder. Um, so it's got like uh, the murder details. So why they were murdered or, or all the, that sort of thing, right? Uh, rolls in the murder. So everyone rolls a D4 and depending on what they roll, it tells them what their involvement was. So like on a one, they were the murderer. On a two, they were just a bystander who was like, could have stopped it, but didn't. Um, they were an instigator. So they were the one that like planned it all or they're a liar. They know what happened, but they won't tell anyone. Um, just loads of different things like that. And it's just, it gives like for, for like a theft, which is one I think you would quite like. It gives like all the different roles for what they were in the, um, in the theft. Um, and one of them is the mole. So you knew the job inside out because you were on the inside all along. So you're actually working against the party, which is cool. I love that one. <laughs> it, it definitely sounds good. And it also sounds like something. It sounds like a, a smart business move. Mm. Um, obviously Baldur's gate has been released to, fanfare and, oh, absolutely, yeah. you know uh, a huge sort of critical acclaim and fair play to mm. to, to the studios and all that so yeah. it would kind of make sense to to kind of go hey guys this is kind of where all this came from yeah um you know if you wanted to play it on at the table here's this information. here's how <laughs> um so yeah that it does no, no, it does kind of mark a uncharacteristically savvy business decision. Mm. Well, there's also, um, so they've released that, but there's also a, an AP coming out for Baldur's Gate as well. So this will feed nicely into that AP as well, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's good. I mean, I hope all the... All the sort of five E players and enjoy that because I don't know. A lot of times when I speak to people about playing, um, especially like the pre-written stuff in five E, it all kind of mm. seems to be the same. The same names get thrown about because um, obviously it's got some very popular modules, but then it's got some less than popular. Mm. One, so obviously everybody kind of flocks to the more popular one. So hopefully yeah. now that you the the lore and the mythos can be opened up 
drastically. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping as well that it, it starts um, starts a trend of expanding the world a bit more. Because um, it's always nice to have more options, right? Yeah, I think it. I think it is is good, and uh, this is coming from like my sort of Pathfinder background, where everything is presented to, everything is given to you from the get go. Mm. So you start playing Pathfinder, it's okay. You've got this wiki where you can go in and figure out every single thing that happened, everything, and and the world is a major component. Whereas when I played Five E, when I ran Five E. I found it wasn't as sort of presented to you. Mm. You know, though it was they presented the necessary information for the AP and I think it was uh it was Horde of the Dragon Queen I was running. Mm. Um yeah, they they kind of presented the the necessary information for everything that you need to to play the adventure, but everything else was kind of obscured. Whereas if you go into a Pathfinder AP, you're going to learn a lot. You're going to learn a lot about the world that may or may not have anything to do with what you're playing. Yeah, I think like it, both, both have their benefits, right? Because just having the, the necessary information for, for that path is good, especially for newer players and GMs, because you're not going to get bogged down in stuff that doesn't matter um, for, for what you're playing, if you know what I mean. Um, but at the same time, when you start going into your own like homebrewy stuff, it's nice to have that information. Um, so I, I can see it being beneficial both ways. Um, but yeah, I guess it's it's just one of those where it's 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 still nice to start expanding the world um, so that we have it both ways now for, for five years or. Well. I mean, I've always preferred having all the information at, at hand because. If you are limited to only the necessary, that's that's a decision that somebody in a writing room has made. And it hasn't accounted for the fucking questions your players are going to ask. <laughs> so, it'll, okay, so you meet this ex-paladin and he was in the Battle of Last Wall or whatever. And then they go, so what's the Battle of Last Wall? It's like, oh, shit. <laughs> And you have to kind of spend time. Whereas in 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 Pathfinder, it's just one second, and you go on and you go onto the wiki and just bring up this treasure trove of information. And players can go down any rabbit hole they want, and you've got the information at hand. Mm. So having only a limited amount of information, you you just have to turn around and kind of go, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, we well. You say that but we do also have a, a wiki like that for five e. Um, we've got the the D and D five e wiki dot, um, which does have all of that information. So we do also have a, a resource like that that is free that you can go through and it has everything on it. Um, it's just yeah. So we, we do have that as well. Fair enough. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I, just, I, I, I mean just that, that of, might might I, have not been around when when you were trying five e. Probably not, it. and also <laughs> it's you know I I just I've always felt like the world in like Galarian plays a bigger part than what even, even is it called in? I knew the name. I don't I don't know what it's called in five e. What's the world called? Uh, honestly, I don't even use the world that all that often. I don't refer to it by its name ever. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, yeah, I genuinely don't know. There is the Sword Coast, isn't there? That's like the yeah. I mean, there's there's a few world sayings, but that is the uh, the Sword Coast is one of them, and Eberron is another one. Um, Exandria, but that's Critical Role. Um, Forgotten Realms is another one that gets used a lot. Um, trying to re- I'm just reading through a bunch to, to see the ones that I recognize. Um, yeah, that might yeah. take a while. Um, yeah, but yeah, so there there are a few. Um, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, I, you know, it is good that they're actually bringing more of the law to the forefront, mm. which. You know, I think people get invested in that shit. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it, it can only benefit the game, right? It's, it's not going to hurt to have more stuff available. So, speaking of D&D... Yeah, it was a good segue. It's not, because it's very fucking tangential. <laughs> but one of the major sort of um, flag bearers mm-hmm. for, for D&D, Matthew Lillard... Mm-hmm. Um, he has launched a D&D themed bourbon. Yes. Quest's End, I believe it's called. Yeah, I mean, this doesn't interest in me at all because I don't drink and I don't play D&D. Yeah, I, I don't drink either, but I do play D&D. <laughs> but I do love a bit of Matthew Lillard. I mean, yeah, the dude's a legend. He is, you know, he's awesome. Did you see that? Um, there was a documentary about D&D. Um, it's on YouTube. It's only about 45 minutes long. Mm. And it kind of has interviews with, um, what's her name? Deborah Ann Wall, Matthew Lillard, you know, all these like, mm. um, sort of celebrities who play D and D as well as, you know, speaking to, to, um, just your average players. Us, as well. us regular D and D folk. And, it, yes, it is D and D focused, but the message of the the documentary can be sort of taken mm. as tabletop role playing games. Yeah, and the interview they do with with Matthew Lillard, he ends up choking up mm. about just how much he loves this hobby and how much it means to him, and it's like, ah, oh, for yeah. fuck, it's making me it's making me want to play D and D now. <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it it is one of those things, right, where it does mean a lot to so many people, um, and it, it's it's always nice to see like people at at that level of fame still doing and still enjoying like regular person shit, right? Because it, it it's it's got to be tough for them to do anything regular when you've got like that level of fame, right? Because who, who are you going to play with? Oh, other celebrities? Cool. Now you've got a room full of celebrities. Well, who's going to want to be, you know, gain access to a room full of celebrities? All the paparazzi or the news outlets. Like, it's very hard for famous, like, people that are that famous to do anything regular. Um, so it's always nice to see that they still get a chance to, you know? I don't know. I don't see it as that far fetched. I don't see it as, you know. Yes, there's a bit more complication. Oh, boo-hoo, I'm fucking popular. But, <laughs> um, you know, it's it's good to see that it is... that the hobby is now part of mainstream culture. 
Mm. That's kind of the thing. Whereas, whereas before, you know, in what the the eighties and like the satanic panic or bullshit that mm. happened, yeah, you, you wouldn't get the celebrities of the time kind of going, "Hey, guess what I'm doing." You know, I'm rolling dice and make, playing make-believe with my friends. So the fact that it's now kind of become this mainstream, or a, a, should I say a more mainstream um, activity, I, I find that really kind of um, yeah. inspiring to, to see. Whether celebrities play the game or not, could not give an actual fuck. Yeah. Um, but the fact that it is actually played and, you know, no one's turning around and going, ha-ha, nerd at the big show. <laughs> he's a big... Like, he's uh, a big guy, he's right? He's a big he's... guy. And he's a big player as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's also like um, Joe Manganiello as well. Like, he's he's a big dude. Um, but he, he loves... Like, I mean... His table, oh my god, have you seen his table? Yes, everybody's seen his table. It's so good. I want one. <laughs> good old like, wormwood. Yeah, I mean, my table's good, don't get me wrong. I like my table, but I'd kill for a table like that. Yeah, my table's virtual, so I'm, I'm, I can be whatever the fuck I want it to be. <laughs> I'm going to paste Joe Manganello's face on my table. <laughs> There you go, motherfucker. Uh, Joe is your table. <laughs> Joe is my table. So apparently this this bourbon for Yes, for we got a little bit of topic there. <laughs> who are interested. Um it's the first in the line of limited edition super premium whiskies. Mm-hmm. Will be the Paladin from the boutique company Blue Run Spirits. Mm-hmm. Custom bottle includes a dragon head. Yep. Embossed on the neck, crest on the front, a hit point tracker along the side, and a dungeon map on the black visible through the bottle. Mm. Oh, um, you can kind of see it in the picture. You can see the dungeon map. Oh, yeah. I didn't actually notice yeah. that. Yeah. does look pretty good. The bottle, the bottle looks sick. The I would be tempted to look. buy one just for the bottle. I'm not going to lie. I, I wouldn't. <laughs> um, I'd... I'd Get an empty bottle off somebody, but I won't, you know, nope. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's, uh, Matthew Lillard is joined by Screeter, Justin Ware and Blue Run co-founder Tim Spap- Sparapani to create the line joined by Kate Welch from Acquisitions Inc. Just, just former- to be clear as well, that's a different Justin, not me. Yeah, one's Justin where the other's still Justin. Yeah. It's very different Justin. Very different Justin. Yeah. But do you think he's still Justin as well? I mean, I, yeah, well he's been Justin for for a fairly long while, I'm, I would assume to be Do you think do you think he's uh, older than you so he's like he's I got don't know. a claim to the name I don't Justin? know. I I mean, I guess I could always just google him and find out how old he is. Can you guys have a fight to see who the real Justin is? <laughs> to determine the real Justin. Uh um, so the plans so. are to eventually expand the line to 16 character-inspired liquors. But aside from Paladin, we currently only know the next three, Rogue, Warlock, and Dragon. Mm. So for those of you who do like a tipple, yeah, Quest End, I'm sure it will lower your inhibitions and give you that release of <laughs> dopamine you desperately need. <laughs> I've become so smug since I stopped drinking. I know. It's, it's great. It's, 
Amazing. <laughs> I can't find out how old he is. The internet has failed me. That's that's terrible. Your internet stalking skills are are lacking. I, I'm clearly getting too old. Yep, you are. Welcome to the club. Yeah. So, don't have a segue, but um, <laughs> Renegade Game Studios yes. announces a new public event support program. Mm. So, Renegade Game Studios, who we spoke about recently in a couple of, couple of episodes ago, who, you know, had been kind of naughty. <laughs> um, but, you know, putting that aside for a second... As long as they're not being completely racist and shit. Um, they have launched the new Play Renegade program for public event games. So it will provide free adventures for another material for game masters and storytellers running public events at conventions, game stores, libraries, schools, and other locations. Both the Essence 20 system powered licensed titles for Hasbro, Power Rangers, Transformers, G.I. Joe, and My Little Pony, as well as the World of Darkness games, Vampire the Masquerade, Hunter the Reckoning, and Werewolf the Apocalypse will be included. Mm-hmm. Participating events must be in venues available to the public and in person, though Renegade says that live-streamed or recorded games for platforms such as Twitch and YouTube may also be considered. That's pretty cool. So do you think we'll kind of see a, an increase in these sort of games? Um, I don't know. I, th- I think it's... Uh, it's <sighs> these systems, right? They're, they're the kind of systems that you're not going to come into the hobby to start playing. You so you're either going to have friends that already have them, so you've already played them, or you've, you're going to have some kind of introduction to these before you start playing them. Um, so, w- will it see an increase in these systems? Maybe for people that have been like on the fence about trying them, but I feel like a lot of these systems are the kind of thing that if you were going to play them, you've already got them. If you know what I mean. I, um, to a certain degree, yes, but I think also, um, especially the, the licensed ones that they they own, mm. Power Rangers, Transformers, G.I. Joe. I mean, for the 80s and 90s kids... How can you leave out My Little Pony? Uh, my Little Pony, sorry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for, for the 90s kids who, who, yeah. who haven't started playing tabletop role-playing games, someone came up to me and went, I've got a game based on the Transformers. You can be a fucking Transformer. I'd, yeah. I'd be, yeah, all right, sign me up. But that's, a, right, that's the thing, though, right? So these are going to be for if you're running a game at a public thing, like a convention, stuff like that, right? So you're going into, like, a, a play area at Comic-Con, for example, right? And somebody will be running those games. You're also going to have people running actual D&D or you know things that things that you've you've heard of, and if you wanted to try out this hobby, most people's go to is going to be D and D because it's the one everyone's heard of. Um, so I think, like, given the choice, if you're not involved in the hobby already, given the choice, most people are going to play D and D because you know it's it's the it's the well, it, it's a bit like you know Hoover's with vacuum cleaning. Right, it, it's become like the brand that's associated with the whole space, right? Because how many people, especially in in this country, call every vacuum cleaner a Hoover? I've done. It, it, yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I I agree. I get your point, and there is some truth to that. But at mm. the same time, I think for people who 
um, don't play tabletop role-playing games. Um, D&D can also be a put-off. Um, I know it would have been for me before I started playing Pathfinder. Had Scott all them years ago have gone, uh, we're going to be playing D&D, I'd have gone, nah, fuck that, I'm not interested. Because, mm. especially people in my age, we kind of grew up with this, um, with D&D having this stigma attached to it that tabletop role-playing games don't. So there was always the, the whole, oh, D&D is nerdy. And it's, a, it's the wrong fucking thing, completely. But yeah. it, it exists. And it's something that, that is still kind of persists to the day. So, yes, I do think that D&D being the standard for, for role-playing games is still present, and a lot of people do get into the hobby because of D&D. But at the same mm. time, I think it will put a lot of people off, whereas someone turning around kind of going, hey, let's play Power Rangers. You know, even even like the, the Vampire the Masquerade or Werewolf the Apocalypse, especially, what, five years ago when vampires were well, yeah. splattered all over fucking the face of popular <laughs> culture like some really yeah, really yeah. dark decrepit bukkake um <laughs> i i think that you know it would have been oh you want to play it being a vampire here we go and i think it would yeah. get, like the people who do not know anything about tabletop role-playing games i think it does i think it will help bring them into the fold um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm not disputing that. I mean, definitely it is going to bring some people that otherwise wouldn't have tried the hobby in, but I just, I don't think it's going to be that big a jump, if that makes sense. I think the YouTube and Twitch thing. I think, yeah, if they, if they give it out to a lot of YouTube and Twitch um, content creators, then yes, I can see it being bigger. Um, but at like a convention, cause like most people that are going to comic cons and stuff like that, they're already pretty nerdy. Let's be honest. You wouldn't be going to a convention if you weren't, um, same with game stores, stuff like that. Right. Um, schools, any school that's running this sort of thing, it's going to be some kind of tabletop role playing club. Um, so they're the people that are going to that club are already going to be interested in it. Um, so the only one of those that's really going to be. Um, you know, an area that isn't necessarily nerdy people going to do nerdy things would be like libraries. But even that, who, who even goes to libraries these days, apart from students <laughs> going to the, the uni library, right? I don't need to go to library soon at some point. I'm going to check out a couple <laughs> of books. I've just got so much um, fucking reading now. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, I just think like the all, all of the places that they're, they're saying they want people to be able to run these events are places that are already for nerd, nerdy individuals, right? Because convention, like any any gaming convention, most people there are already that way inclined, right? Um, same for if it's like Comic Con or or any of those other kind of conventions. Uh, game stores, well, only, only people going to game stores are people who are into games. You don't go in there otherwise. Um, so I just think like the the way the places they're targeting. Apart from, like you say, the Twitch and the YouTube spaces, but all of the other places are targeting. I just don't feel the clientele there are already interested in maybe not tabletop role playing games, but they're into board games or card games. So the transition to something like D and D isn't going to be that hang up for them. Of oh, I might seem nerdy, 
I'm playing Magic the Gathering. I'm already seen as nerdy. You, you see what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think the the places they're intending are already inhabited by people that would consider themselves nerdy or geeky anyway. Um, so I don't think those places are going to have that hang up. Well, we'll see how it goes. Um, yeah. You know, it is a, it is a good initiative. And I, oh, I definitely. Think that's yeah. yet another company that has to kind of buy back a bit of goodwill. Yes. So I, maybe I they can speak to Wizards of the Coast because they know something about that. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, let's have a look. Um, all right. Well, I, I've, I've got one Go on. speaking of board games. Ooh. Which is, I mean, it's kind of a board game. It's technically card game slash board game. But uh, good old Steve Jackson games, makers of the awesome game Munchkin. And it's various versions, which I love a bit of Munchkin. I've got several copies of it myself um, <laughs> in different varieties. Um, they are, or they have announced even, a new version of Munchkin. Munchkin Paranoia. Which is a new core set of Munchkin based on the RPG game Paranoia. Have you seen Paranoia as a TTRPG? I have. Um, have you played I've it? I've not played it. I've seen it. Because I, I was going to bring it up this week anyway, because at the pub on yesterday, actually, yesterday, Saturday, um, somebody mentioned Paranoia thinking that it would be a really good game for me to try. And as they were telling me about it, I was like, I know who will love this game. And it was you. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen I've seen things um, snippets of, of it and yeah there are a lot of things that that kind of are appealing and I think it's just the overall fuckery yeah because essentially right so so for those of you out there listening that don't know what paranoia is haven't got a clue I'll, I'll give you the brief summary of what it is that I was given on Saturday night before looking a bit more into it so. The players, all of their characters, have lived in an underground bunker their whole lives. They've never seen the outside world. Everything is run by the computer, and the computer tells them what they need to know. And if they don't need to know, they aren't told. And if you don't know it, you don't need to know. Simple as that. So what this means is, every once in a while, the computer will need to send people above ground to get things, right? supplies, or, or just to go and do something that they need doing. And it will tell them, okay, you need to go here and do this thing. But when they go out there, they don't know anything about the outside world. So they don't even know what a tree is. They've never seen one before. So you could go out of your bunker for the first time in your entire life as this character, and you're encountered by this small creature that seems to be communicating into some kind of device in his hands up this large brown thing with green things you know, flapping around. What do you do? you kill it obviously it's it's clearly evil it's communicating to its friends that you guys have have left your, the safety of your bunker uh congratulations you've killed your first squirrel yeah there is there is a <laughs> lot to like about it and i think this is the system <laughs> that that kind of came upon my sort of radar a while back and mm. i may be completely wrong but i do believe that there are two books as well there is a player book and there is a gm book and they give you contradicting information <laughs> which i think is just fucking brilliant yeah, it's one that I really want to try because it just sounds so fun and so stupid. Because like 
you've got to find ways to describe a squirrel, for example, like like I just said, like in the example I just used, you've got to find a way to describe a squirrel that doesn't immediately go, well, it's a fucking squirrel. <laughs> so are we going to put this one on the list? Um, here's the question. Are we going to put Munchkin Paranoia on the list or Paranoia on the list or both? Well, considering that this is a tabletop role-playing podcast, I think it's going to have to be Paranoia. Because I'm sorry, I know you love Munchkin. I know you do love Munchkin. I've played Munchkin. I've had an all right time playing Munchkin. I love but Munchkin. But it's not, board games for me is not the sort of thing I look forward to playing. I just, That's I just fair. Go, yeah, right. <laughs> All right, we'll put actual paranoia on the list, but I'm putting Munchkin paranoia on my list. Yeah, and it's and it's really annoying because a lot, like most of my friend group, are mm. all you're all big on board games, dude. Board, it's, I think it's because board games, right? You you don't have to have like you know three hours a week, every week, or or a month, or whatever to to get through it. You can just like one Friday night be like, hey, we're all free. Do you want to come around and play a board game? I think it's that for me is that thing of like, I could write like tomorrow, right? I could send a message out to a few people and be like, Hey, do you want to come around and play a board game? Um, and we'll play it and we'll finish it and it's done. Right. You don't have that thing of, okay, now when can we get together again to see what happens next time? <laughs> I just find it really hard to get interested. Maybe you just haven't found the right board game yet. Oh, I've tried. I've tried plenty of them. Um, <laughs> like, even, like, the more traditional ones, the less traditional ones, a lot of the ones you've mentioned, I've played. And don't get me wrong, I have an all right time. Mm. But that's where it, it... It's not an incentive enough for me to leave the house. I, I, I've got one that I think you would enjoy that I'm buying uh, on payday. Um, it's a, it's a deck building game called muffin time. Now the phrase muffin time is a clue to those of you who, who remember these animations. Um, but do you remember the ASDF movies? Yeah. Okay. So muffin time was created by Tom Scar, the creator of the ASDF movies. And it is a, a deck building card game based around the ASDF movies. So the object of the game is very simple. Um, you have to get 10 cards in your hand, say muffin time. And if you still have 10 cards in your hand, when it's your turn, you win. That's it. Very simple. But the fuckery that happens along the way is so up your alley because you can fuck people over left and right. And then you can like, you can make them fuck themselves over. And it's just beautiful. (laughs) See, that does sound interesting, but the fact that it's a board game just makes me kind of switch off. It's a card game. Oh, card game. Okay, it's the same. It's in the same arena. (laughs) I just kind of switch off. We'll get you trying it. I promise you, you'll enjoy it. Yeah, all right. You probably won't get me to leave the house on purpose to play it. (laughs) That's not going to happen. I'll just kind of go, no, can't be fucked, and I'll stay (laughs) out. And I said, yeah, I do struggle with board games. So, yeah, I think Paranoia, the role-playing game, should definitely right. be on our list. Yeah. In other news... Yep. Um, come on. Uh, I think that must be the name of the thing. C-M-O-N <laughs> releases details yep. on Assassin's Creed tabletop role-playing game. Oh, wait. Come on is uh, it's an acronym. It stands for Call Mini or Not. I, I'd just call it Come On. Yeah, I know. 
Um, yeah. yeah, so Assassin's Creed tabletop role-playing game is mm. coming out. Were you ever into the, the actual video games? I, I played the first, like, three, but then they just got a bit samey for me. Yeah. Um, um, I think I was... Because essentially it, it all boiled down to climb to high building, find mission, kill dude, go to next town. Climb to high building, find dude, kill dude, go to next town. Um, so, yeah, it, it got a bit samey with the video games, but, like, there were some really cool mechanics in them. Yeah, I I played one, two, and all the the expansions for two. I played three. I played Black Flag. Mm. And then when they kind of started to make it, like, add in a lot of RPG elements, mm. that's kind of where I went, no, you know what? This is shit. And I yeah. switched off. But, like, the first ones, yes, they were samey, but there was, a, like, an ongoing story, which was really cool. Yeah. And I kind of followed into it, and the mechanics of it were fantastic. And they were really, really fun games. Um, I haven't really played one since Black Flag. I tried Unity, and it was wank. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of put me off, and just nothing's really brought me back into the fold but the the ip has always interested me despite yeah. a really shitty film what well, i don't know what you're talking about there, there was no film oh there was and it was bad it was horrible nope. justin it was horrible nope. it was no nope. really there was no bad. film it was bad it, it is like the green lantern film it does not exist Another it did film not happen that absolutely exists and is shit no nope. we need nope. to recognize these failures nope. of humanity it's, it's like the live action uh, Avatar film that didn't happen. It did happen. Nope. <laughs> I, it I did no not happen. Longer, I refuse to live in denial. Nope, it didn't happen. Okay, so it is based on the long-running video game series from Ubisoft, and it places the players yes. in the center of the secret war between the Assassin Brotherhood and the Templar Order. Mm. Just like in the video game franchise, players take on the roles of characters from the modern day, making use of the Animus technology to access memories of the past lives encoded in their DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it has a, it's a new custom system that they're calling mm-hmm. the match system. Okay. Using two sets of custom dice. Um, so I mm. downloaded the... Uh, so that's, that's where they lose me. Custom dice. Yeah, but I think you can still play it without custom dice because um, I did download the quick start rules. Right. Um, as soon as I find out where the fuck I put them. Yeah, because I, I think any any system that requires like custom anything is is an instant put off for me, just because like I have like fifty sets of dice. I don't want to have to go out and buy more dice specifically for this one system that I can only use in this one system, and I can't use anywhere else. That bugs me. Yeah, the the quick start guide actually does give you a um. Like an equivalent, like an equivalent or... on, so you can just use D6s. Right. And let's go to the match system. And so it does seem to be that each dice kind of represents um, a different sort of aspect. Mm-hmm. So you've got action, stealth, wits, social and there are there are more but i'm I'm still kind of i've only just kind of started reading it so yeah. for example if you are kind of going to do something stealthy you need to roll the dice and any sort of um 
instance of the the stealth symbol that comes up is a success. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it roughly works. Um, I do need to kind of read a bit more into it, but the quick start yeah. guide is available. Um, yeah, and it looks like the, the full game releases on September 5th. Yeah. So if the number of matches you got on your roll is equal to your approach difficulty, you succeed reaping the benefits. So, you know, maybe a difficulty is three. So you roll your pool of dice and you need three. Three stealths. stealths to, if you want to do a yeah. stealthy maneuver. And I think you can actually mix. So you can do like stealth and action. So you can take somebody mm. down, but you have to get, you know, your the approach is, yeah. you know, okay, so you're going to do two stealth, one action sort of thing. So you yeah. basically need to get that on your pool of dice. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I found the equivalency thing on the quick start guide. So yeah, it does it does okay. seem interesting, but we go back to that whole thing about licensed properties. Yeah. I struggle with them. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean I I do and I don't. Like I think it's it's one of those if you know the world, they can be really fun. If you don't know the world, it's a bit it can be a bit shitty. If, if especially like if you're playing with like let's say you're playing with somebody and one of the players at the table knows absolutely everything about Assassin's Creed, right? I always find that a bit weird with like licensed stuff because it is so strict on what has and hasn't happened. Um, whereas stuff like you know the Five E world and the Pathfinder world and all that sort of thing, it, it doesn't. <laughs> well, I mean, what I find about them is I always struggle because. Especially if it's something that I'm invested... Like, for example, this I would be a bit more invested in than... Mm. Like, Dishonored, the one I bought last week. Um, mm. I don't know fuck all about that world. So I can pick up I can pick up that game, and I can play it in the same way I would pick up Blades in the Dark, Delta Green, any of these games, because I don't have any prior knowledge coming into it. But going into Assassin's Creed, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to be Ezio. Or I want to be Altair. You know, I always kind of come in with this preconceived um, expectation that I wouldn't have otherwise. That's why I, I kind of stray away from them. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know. I might, I might check the quick start guide, maybe run something from it just to see how it plays out. But I yeah. don't think I'm going to be adding this one to the list. No, I don't think so either. It it doesn't have enough of a, a draw for me. No, yeah, it just, you know, it, it seems a bit nothingy to me. Mm. You know, don't get me wrong, I, I love Assassin. well, I love the world, I love the IP of Assassin's Creed, but that's kind of it, really. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, speaking of licensed um, stuff... Mm-hmm. <laughs> the creator of the Witcher RPG has yes. teased a new tabletop project. Yes, I saw something about that. Uh, codenamed Blue Moon. Codenamed Blue Moon. So Talsorian, looks amazing. Talsorian Games, who are probably most known for Cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. Um, great system if you haven't tried it. Um... They are, yeah, they've teased a new upcoming tabletop project, which apparently has got nothing to do with Cyberpunk or the Witcher RPG. Mm-hmm. 
and they explain that it is the brainchild of Cody, Cody Pondsmith, the lead designer mm-hmm. at the studio and the son of the famed Michael Pondsmith. Um, and they haven't really teased too much. No. But I did see something about feudal Japan somewhere. Yeah, so looking at what they've said so far, basically they've said that they're going to give a lot more information on the 31st, right? So next week we'll have a bigger update on this for you, hopefully. Um, But what they have said so far is that it's going to be taking place um, in an entirely new setting with roots in Japan's history and spirituality. Um, And it will basically dabble in in traditional Japanese spirituality whilst also having popular media stuff in it as well. So it's going to be intriguing, but the artwork that they have released that like one image is fucking awesome. Yeah. That image is gorgeous. That image is what kind of drew me to it. I went, yeah, that looks a good image. (laughs) Well done for the, you know, yeah. Uh, for whoever decided to put that image over this news article, because fuck at it, that was a eye-catching piece of work. <laughs> so yeah, um, I'm going to add that one to our watch list. I already have done. Ooh, good boy. I'm one step ahead of the game today. Well, well done. <laughs> I did a thing. You did a thing. <laughs> so, Codex of Worlds sourcebook has been yes. released for Evil Hats Monster of the Week, a system that we both mm-hmm. have um, experienced. Yeah, we both with. tried it. Yeah, and I really enjoyed it. I did as well. I, I mean, I did to a certain degree. I think I like my systems a bit more crunchy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we had a ton of fun when Couch ran it for us. So we did. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and we were in separate games as well. So it wasn't even the same game. Yeah, we were. We were meant to be in the yeah, same game, but I think your game, your game, and my game were supposed to converge at some point, but they just never did. But yeah, Couch. Once you've finished running Fabula Ultima, we'll go back we'll to, get Monster, back of to Monster of the Week. Yeah, but it's a four hundred sixteen-page hardcover. Mm-hmm. And it offers new team playbooks and new genres to explore for Powered by the Apocalypse nice. RPG of episodic urban fantasy inspired by shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Supernatural, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. X-Files. For Keepers, the sourcebook includes five new setting frameworks, taking nice. the game out of the modern day. Okay. This strange old house where hunters are inherit an occult mansion, gothic nice. century set in the 90s nice. dreaming with the gods for a surreal mystical alternative renaissance okay monster marches set in a medieval fantasy world and bone spear taking place during the stone age oh that one of you that is interesting that one yeah is really interesting so it brings 15 new team playbooks, include archetypes that will be familiar to fans of the episodic Supernatural shows, mm-hmm. movies and comics that inspired the game. So you've got Agents in Black, mm-hmm. Always on the Road, The Chosen One, yeah. The Entourage, yeah. Guardians of the Borderland, mm-hmm. International, mm-hmm. International Monster and Paranormal Service, Imps, Yep. Interdimensional Crisis Team, The Last Survivors, <laughs> The League of Double Lives, Mercenaries, A Mystery Club, The Night Shift, Suburban Watch Group, Touring Band, Whistleblowers, and Wild Hunt Fugitives. Yeah. That actually sounds pretty cool. Dude, it's pretty reasonably repriced as well. So the PDF and softcover uh, print on demand book are available from uh, Drive Through RPG for $20 and $30, respectively. That's cool. 
the hardcover and Roll20 VTT versions are available from the Evil Hat website for $40. That's not, yeah, that is really good. That's not for a 400-page book. That's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Shame I've made a vow. Oh, what a shame. You've already broken it, but what I a shame. I have broken it. It's birthday money, dude. Still, you're still spending money. I didn't buy I didn't. Yeah, I was given that money to buy something, and that is what I bought. <laughs> so it wasn't me spending money, it was somebody else. So oh, God. the the systems were bought for me. Mm-hmm. Just because you mm-hmm. lost your fucking stupid poll. I mean, no, all that means is that I have to play one of the systems that I haven't played that you have. Yeah, but you still lost the And you're, you're, and you're allowed to buy poll. again. Oh, yeah, okay, I did, yeah. There you go. That's fine. So yeah, that's salty at all. So yeah, monster of the week. I won't be getting any time soon. No, um, but I will be. And I, I'm buying a boatload point. of board games this month. So I I will be at some point because I found found some really cool ones. But that's for another time. <laughs> and for another audience. Yes. <laughs> Oh, they're so good, though. Anyway, anyway. moving on swiftly. <laughs> so, shall we go to the couch? I think we shall. All Let's. right. Do you have any questions this week? I have not received any this wow. week. Wow. Yeah. Well, I've only got two this week. Okay. Yeah, Sci-Fi's falling behind. He he is he's, he's slacking, but he is he is currently fighting his way through the Mushroom Kingdom. So fair enough, fair enough. Well, it's to be expected that he's not going to be able we, to get. We can let him off slightly. Yeah, he's trying to survive, man. Okay, so <laughs> first question on the couch comes from Chris. Mm-hmm. From whoever said you'll never find a more wretched hive of mob scum and <laughs> has obviously never widow- widowed here. I'm assuming yeah, that was yeah. worked here. Yeah, I, I, autocorrect. Yeah. Good old autocorrect. Weird how autocorrect goes from worked to widowed. But I mean, same thing. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so Chris asks, "What is your preferred method of leveling up? Milestone or XP are the usual go-to's. But have you heard or seen of any others that you thought you'd like to try, or just thought were unique?" Um, I mean, my go-to is is milestone. Um, Purely because I feel like XP tends to lend itself then to people just being murder hobo-y. Um, because why progress the story if you can just go sit in a cave for six months, right? Um, so I, I tend to go to Milestone. I haven't seen any other systems myself, um, apart from those two, but I don't really play all that many things. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's kind of my, my take on it. Well, my my favorite way of leveling up isn't actually leveling up at all. It's mm. constant progression. Mm. So leveling up is something that is unique to certain systems where you go from level one to level two and you get a bunch of shit because you've gone from one level to the next, which, yeah, yeah I get it. Um, I just think, I just do find it a bit gamey, to be honest, and a bit, it kind of breaks the narrative quite a bit for me. Um, but I'll get back to that in a second. But my favorite way of progression is the, the partial progression. Like for example, Delta Green, if you Mm. fail a check, you 
at the end of the session, roll a dice in order to improve. So you are you are improving by failing. Mm. Which, if anyone's kind of gone to the gym at any point in their lives, kind of understands what that what that means. Yeah. That you have to fail in order to improve. You can then spend some downtime to kind of pick a skill or an attribute and improve your character that way. Um, Blades in the Dark does something similar, um, but you can get extra abilities. But rather than kind of hitting a point and all of a sudden getting more hit points and then you get to do this and you get to do that all in one go it's something that's just constant yeah so i do kind of i do favor that i think it builds more interesting characters um however going back to the 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 level up systems ie D and pathfinder i use a mix between xp and milestone so I will track XP, but I will not tell the players. Right. And when the XP gets to roughly a point where they would level, I pick the next major plot point. Right. So if they have just defeated the boss of a big dungeon and they're a few hundred off um leveling up i'll level them up yeah i'll kind of use that and kind of go okay close enough done in the same vein if they are still midway through the dungeon and mathematically they have leveled up i'll wait, wait until, until the, end. the end and then do yeah. it so i kind of do a mix of both what i never do is tell players the xp values though Oh yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think, like in a way, I kind of um, I base my milestones around the same sort of thing. So I work out um, like roughly what ex- XP they would get from an encounter, um, and I'll build encounters to roughly add up to a level for when I'm planning for them to level up in the milestones. Because um, I-, I will build that kind of progression into my storylines, right? Um, so I know that they will be. Like level three by the time they get to a certain point in the story, so I can build the encounters there for level three adventurers, essentially. Um, now, of course, if they go on some huge fucking detour, and when they do get there, they've done a ton of other shit, and they're like level six, I'm not going to keep them at level three, because I'm like, no, I've planned for you to be level three, you're going to stay fucking level three. Like, I'll, I'll tweak my stuff, right? <laughs> but I, I do kind of plan, I build my encounters along the way with that curve in mind as well so i guess in a way I, I do a mixed approach like you but in my head it was just always milestone but i never realized i was technically doing that fair enough <laughs> but yeah so i hope we answered that question mm. but yeah definitely something has to be said about the sort of constant progression yeah i like that i, d- I mean I, th- I get why players may be a bit averse to it because there's no it doesn't feel like there's a payoff. Yeah. You know, because, okay, right, so we finished a session, you failed on these things, roll your, I think it's D4, roll a D4 mm. to see how how much you, you increase, but there isn't, there isn't anything tangible with it. There's no, okay, all of a sudden, overnight, my character's suddenly got better. 
Yeah, I've always found that a bit weird. Like you go to bed one night and you wake up and you don't eat new spells. Like what? <laughs> the worst one. The worst one is is was uh, Pathfinder First Edition mm. when you I think you put points in linguistics. Yeah, you, and you wake up and you just know a language. You just know a language. It's like wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> I I I speak Orcish, and you know that for me. How did that happen? That for me was just mm. yeah. I'm, I I couldn't really. I could never really get behind that, and it still kind of feels somewhat of a a disconnect whenever I kind of go to my players. Hey, go, you've leveled up. It's like, oh, okay, we can do this now and do that now. Yeah. Whereas in other systems, you can do everything from the bat. It just means yeah, it's going to be a bit harder. Yeah. So I I kind of like those systems better, and the more I'm playing them, the more I enjoy them, and the more I like to see the gradual progression of the, yeah, of the players' I, 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 characters. I agree with that as well, because it, it just feels more natural as well, right? Because you, you start getting better at things because you're doing them more. It's, it's essentially embracing the practice makes perfect mentality. Yeah. Um, and I like that rather than just waking up one morning and suddenly you can do everything. Yeah, all of a, su- all of a sudden I can do an extra attack. Yeah. Like, like eh. <laughs> or, or like all of a sudden I can now cast eight different spells that I never learned. <laughs> like just wake up one morning and suddenly there's extra pay. So somebody's filled in the book. Somebody's added stuff to my spell book. That's really cool. And you know, uh, th- and you know what <laughs> Thank else? You elves. Like the, the gradual progression avoids, which I'm just realizing mm. is a major fucking pet peeve of mine. Yeah. It's players asking, are we leveled up? Have we, have we, leveled, have we leveled up yet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. I hate that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm I'm guilty of doing that. <laughs> In one of the games I ran, I would purposely not level up, not let if, if they if asked. They asked. <laughs> so I'd go into the session, kind of going, oh, "Okay, so they're going to level up today." And all of a sudden, someone would go, "Oh, leveling up!" I'd be like, up yet. "Nope." And then the next session, <laughs> not anymore. Up. Nope. <laughs> Until we went through a session where nobody fucking asked, they'd be like, "Oh yeah, by yeah. the way, you level up." <laughs> I may start doing that again because I found that's that fun. funny as fuck. Oh, that's actually quite fun. Just because, and, and the only person it amused was me. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. It was only me that found it amusing because no one else knew what was going on. And yeah, I I miss doing that. You realise now that you've said that as well, um, like parties in the future that you have if somebody at the table says are we leveling up yet everyone at your table is going to be like oh good <laughs> good let the like, peer we pressure work, honey. let the peer pressure do its job <laughs> you know use peer pressure to reinforce good behaviour <laughs> that was actually I think someone posted a quote and that was one of Gygax's um, bits of advice Mm. Something like, you know, if if someone at the table does something bad, punish the entire table. <laughs> yeah. I just thought that was brilliant. It's just the peer pressure of you are going to fucking behave yourself. And it was like, for example, if someone... I think the example was something along the lines of if someone, like, uses meta-knowledge to, or even... Um, meta informs a situation of telling a character another person's character what to do then yeah. do not allow that action 
Yeah. So, oh, you should roll this and just kind of go, yeah, that's not going to work. It would have. Well, no, no, let them, but it just fails. Yeah, it would have worked yeah, yeah. If, it, if you'd have kept your fucking mouth shut. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I may, I may start doing that. Yeah. Now all my players are listening to this kind of going, oh, for fuck's sake. God damn it. What other bullshit are we going to have to put up with from this guy? See, I, I'm not going to um, have that on my table because most of my players are new. Um, and I want them to be encouraging each other to remember what they can and can't do. Because that's how they learn. That's very nice of you. Well, because it's different with seasoned players, right? Because they should know. That's, that's very nice of you. I want to see how long it lasts. I want to see how long this optimism of yours lasts <laughs> until you come onto the show again and go, that's it, I'm done. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> They're all dead. They it. don't know that's yet, it. but they're all I'm dead. A, a, that's it. <laughs> the, boat is t- the boat is sinking as I speak. <laughs> Negative reinforcement, here we come. <laughs> John, teach me your ways. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just going to sit here and wait. <laughs> oh, All right, right. That, was a, that was a good question. Okay, it was so a good question. We have a, another question. Um, this is from the leader of the couch faction, um, <clears throat> bordering on the edge of insanity and creativity. That's where he's from, apparently. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, so a question. Following your blog post, um, if you guys haven't checked it out, I do post a weekly blog on twolegitscrit.uk, and this one in particular, for context purposes, I was talking about um, characters running away and the lack of that yes. happening. Um, so Couch's question is actually stemming from that, and it is, following your blog post, when death is likely in your game, what are your feelings on permadeath? Some systems run a permanent injury table or consequence system instead. Do you feel players actually understand death has a lot more weight than just rolling up a new character? What are your thoughts on this, Justin? Um, I, I, it's a tough one, right? Because different players respond differently to it. Um, like personally, I don't really mind if my character dies as long as the death makes sense, right? Um. Like, if my character just randomly killed over and had a heart attack, I'd be pretty pissed. Um, but, like, if, for example, one, one of my character deaths was a barbarian that I had who was trying to prove his strength, so he ran headfirst into a group of trolls. Like, he was not the smartest guy. But that character death made perfect fucking sense because he should die in that situation. You don't run into a cave with three trolls in it on your own at level, four, I think we we're like level two or something. Um, you just don't do it and expect to survive. So the death made sense, so I wasn't upset about it. Um, but I think you can. There are ways to have death be a bit more um, weighty. There are ways to do it, um, but it's. Uh, I I I mean I read your your blog post on that as well, and I I do find it quite strange that people don't run away from situations. And if you do, then like some people look at you like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Um, because I, I had it in a situation in a, it was a high level campaign we were playing and we walked into this room. And as we walked in, there was like a huge glowing crystal in the middle of the room. And as soon as we stepped foot in the room, the crystal began to crack and the bard in the group went, fuck this, I'm out. And he just used every spell slot he had to dimension door away as far as he could. So he was just chaining dimension doors to get away. Um, 
because he'd got his story. He didn't need to stay for the rest of the story. He could make up the rest. He's a bard. That's what he's there for. And everyone else at the table was like, why would you do that? I was like, no, that was actually pretty clever. Like, that's genius. That's exactly what he should have done. He has no, like, tie to us whatsoever. Like, we, we were all just put on this and he came along to get a good story. He got a good story. He's fucking off. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. And sure enough, we all died. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> so he did the right thing. <laughs> I find it happens more in the systems where players have a lot more... Um, knowledge of the rules. Mm. Um, when players can peer behind the, the GM screen a lot more. Mm. Um, expect, like I'll use Pathfinder as an example. Um, Pathfinder is a very mechanics-driven game. So players do kind of have knowledge of the game, but that also comes with knowledge about encounter balancing and all this. And because of that, there is this um there is this sort of preconceived notion that everything is going to be balanced for them which to a certain degree it is but it um there is no sort of limit on exactly which way that balance is slightly tilting yeah so a balanced encounter doesn't necessarily mean equal footing a balanced encounter could be something that is designed to put the players through their paces. Yeah. So what tends to happen is players don't tend to retreat until it's too late. They'll start talking about it three rounds prior of, yeah, maybe we should fuck off. But then the next player's turn comes up is, I'm going to move in and attack. It's like, okay, if that's what you want to do. Okay. Does a 38 hit? No, it does not. Yeah. And even then, the next person will kind of go, oh, I'm going to fire a spell. Does a 39 hit? No, it does not. No. And this is already <laughs> four or five rounds into the combat. This isn't new yeah. information. And I, I think as well, like, uh, so, sorry, sorry to cut no, you off. There. I, I think it's, it's one of those things as well where I've certainly been in a situation where I've made the decision that we should run away, but you kind of get like that thing of well nobody else is running away i don't want to be the one that runs away and survives and everyone else then like gives you shit or, or i think there's an element of that as well um and all it takes is like you say that one player after everyone kind of going we should probably run away that one person going i'm gonna run in and hit and then everyone feels like they need to save that idiot yeah right? there is that as well um there is that sort of obligation of oh well he's still yeah. attacking so should i whereas exactly you know i put myself in a certain position if i am with a group of people that mm. are facing something that is clearly fucking superior to us and there is one idiot kind of going hey come on guys we can take it but like we can do it. well i tried <laughs> So you're on your own. See you later, dude. Yeah. And I'd be out the door. But obviously they've got this this concept of, oh, we're heroes. It doesn't happen in systems where people are kind of less aware of the mechanics that go back behind GMing. Mm. For example, Delta Green. Something yeah. shows up, people fucking run. Yeah. And, you know, there was one. Um, I think it's one of like a like an early on scenario where essentially something turns up and the first clue you get is the amount of sanity damage it does. 
because <laughs> um, normally things are like one on yeah. a success, one d eight on a failure. This was like yeah. one one d twenty. Oh, so it was like okay, yeah, failed. Roll a d twenty. Oh, and they immediately went, yeah, we're fucking running. So it's yeah. like, yeah, that is a it is a valid tactic, and that's what oh, we don't get. And I, I think it is one of those things that um, I think DMs need to sometimes consider as well, because sometimes they'll put um, parties in in situations where they can't run. Um, like they'll lock them into an encounter, right? Um, I think that that can be a mistake as well. Sometimes, like sometimes it's good, but some like too often it's bad. Um, like I'm just trying to think of, of an example. Um, like let's say. Uh, struggling to think of a, an example without well, if you individuals I'll out. You, I'll carry on talking until you think. Of yeah, one. I'll think. All yeah, because right, <laughs> you know it is great radio when people are just listening to you going. Uh. Okay, uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, it is running away is a valid tactic, and mm. it's not something that that should be kind of frowned upon. It isn't less heroic. Staying alive, turns out, is quite a fucking heroic thing to do. Mm-hmm. And if you guys you another day. If, are facing something, and in, like, Pathfinder, the, the, the encounter building is so tight that, you know, I can still give you guys something that's going to fucking wreck you and it still mm. be considered a balanced encounter. Mm. So, you know, don't let that sort of meta knowledge and the sort of rules of the game stop you from making logical decisions. Yeah. Because that's what it all boils down to. What is logical in this point at this point in time? Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I have been cursed out by players whose characters I've killed. <laughs> um, I've been called everything. I've been accused of favoritism. And I've been, you know, and me being me, I've just turned around and kind of gone, sounds like a you problem. Roll a yeah. new character. And especially in Pathfinder 2nd Edition, because death a lot of the time is is permadeath because resurrection doesn't come easy. Yeah, I mean, it's the same in 5e. It's very expensive to revive somebody who's dead, dead. In Pathfinder 1st Edition, it was, uh, after a certain level, death became a status penalty. Yeah. So you'd die, and then with the amount of gold they were earning, they'd get the diamonds, they'd resurrect you. There was no caveat to say that they couldn't be resurrected, whereas in 2nd mm. edition, A, it's expensive, but B, if yeah. the GM says no, it's not happening. Yeah. You know, and no amount of pointing at books, oh, but the rule set, no, it's not fucking happening. Mm. Um, yeah, I think as well, like, one of my favourite running away stories ever was still um, the one that Scott told us back when we first started playing about, you know, remember when he built that, like, huge encounter that triggered on them opening the door? Yeah. And the, the guy opened the door, saw this, like, thing coming through a portal, went, nope, closed the door and walked away. <laughs> That's still one of my favourite running away stories ever. Yeah, they've tried that in a couple of my games, and depending on what's on the other side, 
they've broken the door down. So what yeah, I've you, done, you learn from Scott's mistake. <laughs> what I've done is I've given them time to run. Yeah. So they open the door, they see something, kind of go, close the door, we're moving, I will kind of run up and I'll be rolling against the door's hardness. Mm. Okay, I'll be like, right, you now see that the door is hanging off its hinges. It's going to yeah. next round, it's coming through. So if yeah. they make the mistake of standing around, that's not then my the fight happens. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. I, I think that actually gives me the example that I was looking for, right? So let's say um, they, they'd walk through that door um, and then the door closes, like they close the door behind them or whatever, and the door like locks behind them. Um, that's the kind of situation where you're, you're essentially then taking away the ability to run if things go south. Um, and I think doing it every once in a while is good because it, it creates an element of like, we need to win this fight. Um, but I think if you do it too much, then it kind of, it, it can then just say, well, we, we're no, like in, in the back of their mind, every single fight, they're going to be like, well, there's probably something preventing us from running away. So we need to fight. Yeah, I agree. Um, I've done it a couple of times where they've walked in, a door's closed behind them. They're not getting through it. Um, yeah. But it is, I've done it enough to break habits. Yes. Because again, once a party gets used to, oh, let's, move out let's regroup and come back yeah then like, well doors locked this time it becomes more of a habitual thing um yeah so things i've done to mitigate that is yeah every now and again door closed you ain't getting through it until you've had this fight and other things i've done have been um they come back and the creature's gone yeah and it's waiting for them somewhere else with backup so yeah. what would have been two moderate encounters has now become a severe one encounter very hard one further yeah. down the line. Yeah. Um, so I, I do kind of mess around with that a bit. So running away doesn't have, it's not something they can do without, I won't say penalty, but without consequence. Yeah. You know, you don't end something there and then you are going to give it time to plan, to regroup. Mm. And because all the time that the players are away, that's doing things as well. So that's kind of, you know, especially like in something like Abomination Vaults, um, where it is just one big dungeon crawl. I've been doing that quite a bit. Mm. But I do believe that's all we've got time for tonight. Indeed. So thank you to Chris and Couch for sending in some fantastic questions. Um, thank you to you for spending some time with me. Oh, shucks. Uh, do you want to tell people where they can find you on Tinterwebs? Yes. So you lovely folk can find me uh, on most places at Justin Accurate TV. Oh. And of course, over on the Facebook group. Uh, yeah. As for me, you can find me also in the Facebook group. You can also find me on Instagram and Mastodon um, at dice.camp as at natural one. Um, if you've liked what you hear, what you've heard here today, um, don't forget to give us a, a, a rating on whatever um, podcast app you choose share with your friends, tell people about it. Let's try grow this. Also, if you want to contact us, contact us through the Facebook group. Um, if you're interested in playing our Friday games, let us know. And most importantly, thank you to everyone who's taken time out of their busy day to listen to two idiots waffle on about TTRPGs. Thank you very much. Good night.